We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with a full desk. Yes. Blue Wire Studios. Oh, man, Andre's hell. Producer Cole, baby. And the real star here. Look, look at this. If you guys are on YouTube, we are blessed to have Del- Denise Salcedo here with us today. Thank you for joining us. Your schedule's crazy. Oh, so. by the way, I love the way you pronounced my last name because you actually said it the the proper way that it's supposed to be said. I don't even say it that way. Oh, that's, thank you. So you said Salcedo. That's yeah. actually how my last name should be pronounced. But I say it the English way, which is Salcedo. Yeah. But <laughs> when you said it, I was like, wow, I oh, love that. thank you. That. I'm Puerto that's Rican. the way that you're supposed yeah. to say it. My grandma would be proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've also been speaking nothing but Spanish at home like this whole week. My grandma <laughs> moved in with me. So it's just, it's, it's coming through on air. Um, no, thank you for joining us. You are running around Vegas doing so many things. But we cornered you down for a second on the Corner Podcast. We have to ask you about your journey in pro wrestling. Because it's not every day, I don't think we've had anyone who's done what you do in pro wrestling. It's such a unique take on the industry, either being in front of a camera, ring announcing, and then also taking time out to build your own brand outside of that and be like a real... I, I just want to say voice in the pro wrestling scene, especially for a woman. Like, it, it's incredible. Right. I honestly, like, even hearing you say all of this, I, it makes me, like, want to get emotional because you you go out there, and I was just talking about with this with you guys off the air, is that you go out there and you do this job, but people don't know this is a very, very lonely job. It's just me and my computer, and unless I'm on a show with somebody, it, for the most part, it's just me by myself doing these videos, editing, preparing for interviews, and all of that, but it's a very, very lonely job. And I remember when I first started uh, getting started I saw all of these people that were just so successful and they were doing such great jobs and I saw where I was and I was literally like trash like garbage like nothing I had nothing uh knew nobody nothing I I legitimately had nothing and so I I thought like I want to get to this point but I don't know how to do it and then on top of that I thought 
who the hell is going to care what I think about wrestling? Nobody, because why? There are no women in wrestling media. And the only women that you were seeing were on TV, you know, on WWE. But women tend to be in the exact same roles as backstage interviewers. And that's what I wanted to be. At first, I was like, okay, I'm going to be a backstage interviewer because that's all I knew. And I wanted to be on television. That was my goal. So I thought, I'm going to be a backstage interviewer because I want to talk to wrestlers. And I tried to be a backstage interviewer, but you face a lot of rejection, a lot of, well, no, no, no. And also I thought, well, how am I going to let people know that they should hire me? Okay, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and I'm going to interview the wrestlers so that people can see that. And hey, maybe I'll get hired. And then before I knew it, I ended up becoming this voice in wrestling media because I kept putting out the interviews. I kept doing podcasts. I kept doing this and that. And then I realized that the role that I had taken on ended up being much more important and much more needed in wrestling than if I would have just been, uh, you know, just a backstage interviewer. Because unfortunately, in those positions, they plug in anybody and then easily plug them out. But you need to make sure that you are not somebody that is easy to plug in or out. You want to be somebody that can do everything and that people can say, hey, I want to hire Denise because this girl can write, this girl can edit, she can shoot, and she can promote her stuff. So it, 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 it means a lot to me when people know Notice the work that I do. Well done. I mean, listen, I've watched you you work from afar, and we talked earlier. It's like, I feel like you know each other because the, the Twitter sphere is so small, especially in the wrestling community when you follow people and you watch their work. But I want to get to the beginning of all this because it's not every day. Like, you had a rise through the pandemic where a lot of people struggled and were frustrated and couldn't figure out what to do with their lives. Give us the origin of your journey into this and where was your tipping point where it actually started to pay off for you? So prior to the pandemic, I had been working because my goal was to be on E, on, on, uh, you know, on extra. I wanted to be out there talking about the celebrities and this and that. And I was an entertainment reporter for five years. A lot of people don't know this about me, but I was out there. You know, I live in Los Angeles. I was born in Los Angeles. I was out there doing all of the interviews with all of these big celebrities. And then I, you know, I faced a lot of struggles there, too. But it's a growth. I started my YouTube channel and prior to me really having, like you say, this blowout during the pandemic, I was working for uh, for Sean X-Pac Waltman on X-Pac 1 to 360 for three years. For three years, I was on that podcast. So that was kind of what I was doing. But at the same time, I was still doing my entertainment reporting. Now, when the pandemic hit, all the events went away. They were gone. There was absolutely no red carpet events. There was nothing for me to cover. And I'd always been a wrestling fan since I was eight, nine years old. But I just didn't really think there was any position for me in wrestling. And I, during the pandemic, I remember this day. It coincidentally happened to be the day that they did the mass releases uh, from WWE. It happened to be around that exact same time where I just remember laying in my grandmother's room and crying. I was crying because I thought, oh, my God, all my work that I did to be an entertainment reporter, it's all gone because COVID's here and there's no events. What am I going to do? How am I going to make a name for myself? And I have to give the credit here to, um, to my fiance because he was the guy, well, he was the person that looked at me and said, Denise, you are a creator. You are a creator. You do what you do best. 
Quit looking at things and thinking that the world is going to end because you have something that other people don't. And I'm like, what is that? You're just lying. You're just trying to make me feel better. And he was like, you're a creator. You have a channel. Go out there and put your content. Do whatever you want. Do what makes you happy. And I thought, you're right. I do have this you know, place. And I'll tell you, I had to go on unemployment and they were only paying me $60 a month. $60 a month on unemployment during this time. And all I had was whatever income that I can make from my YouTube channel. So when you're making $60 a month and you have no job outside of, rest, outside of what you were doing before, it is very scary and it is very heartbreaking to be in a situation like that, especially when you're like in your mid-20s and I was already expecting to be, you know, owning, a, uh, not owning a house, but having my own apartment, et cetera. And so then... I started doing these videos and it got to the point where I did so many videos on YouTube, so many. Then it got to another point where I just started reaching out to people and I'm like, hey, I need work. And then like, hey, like I need more work. So I started doing more work with Fightful. I started doing more work with uh, The Observer. I started doing more work with uh, Wrestle Talk. And then all of that and everything that I was doing on my channel and everything just sort of came together. And before I knew it, it ended up being something but and then I'll tell you this two years later or like a year later or whatever I finally got myself out of debt I was in the hole I was in the hole like over ten thousand dollars making sixty dollars a month on my unemployment and uh on top of that I was living at home could not afford to pay any rent whatsoever and two years later I now definitely make more money than sixty dollars a month and got my first apartment and got myself completely out of debt and paid at least, I would say, 70% of my wedding. So uh, things have definitely changed. Clap it up. Clap it up for Denise. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Nice. Thank you. Look, look, the thing is, is that a lot of people don't see the work in the grind. They just see and they, you show up and they're like, where the hell does she come from? But it wasn't like that. You worked really hard. The Sean Waltman thing, I didn't even know about it. And I've known Sean for years. I had no idea. So now today... And we're going to talk more about your experiences, but I know people ask for advice. What advice do you give people? Because it's really hard. Kelly, you know this. Cole, you might know this too. It's really hard to give advice that doesn't sound cookie cutter. Because a lot of people say, just chase your dreams. And you know that shit is not true. It's a lot more than that. It takes some talent. It takes some effort. So what do you tell young women that want to be in your spot? Oh, my God. I tell them first and foremost, you, and this is going to sound, I don't know how this is going to sound, but as a woman in wrestling, you cannot do the bare minimum. We are not, and I mean not allowed to do the bare minimum. If you are doing the bare minimum, you're not going to get anywhere. You have to work harder than every single person about around you because you are, and this is just specifically for women, you are always going to be uh, an outsider. You're, you're not part of a boys club. You're not part of it. You're always going to come in here with a different experience and a different background. And so you cannot do the bare minimum. You're not going to get to a certain position just doing one weekly show, just doing one interview. Nope. you got to put everything that you've got into it. And then also for the men or for anybody who wants to be in wrestling, it, it, you got to just – I feel like this also applies for the guys. Like you got to – because especially for you guys, there's so many – guys out there talking and doing wrestling media so how do you get there how do you become the cream of the crop what you got to just outwork everybody that's all you got to do so I know it sounds very cliche but you got to go above and beyond 
And I remember when I was reaching out to people because I was trying to get a job. I remember reaching out. I remember reaching out to Impact Wrestling. I remember reaching out to AEW. I reached out to WWE. I reached out to every single wrestling promotion. And everybody told me, not right now. No. <laughs> no. And pe- then the people that basically said that were not saying no, but the, I, I, I asked them, I would ask them for advice. And they just kept telling me, continue doing what you're doing. And I'm like, where is that going to get me? Continue doing what I'm doing? What? <laughs> How do I get to this next level? And then lo and behold, I kept doing what I was doing and it worked. I don't know how. I don't know how. But keep doing what you're doing turned out to be good advice. No, that's usually the case, right? Like, like you said, you got to outwork everyone else. There's moments, and I think you know, us being in media and creatives and all this stuff and talking about giving advice, there's always these moments, talked about your boyfriend, now fiance, where you want to quit. Right? Or it just gets too hard. Or you're very broke. I mean, I've, all of us have been very, very broke. Yes. So it's one of those things like when you're in that moment, how important is it to then have someone to lean on? Oh, you my mentioned God. your fiance. Like to me, one advice I give people all the time is no one gets anywhere by themselves ever. Right. Like you, you can work as hard as you can. You should give 110%. But there's always someone who's going to help you. How important was it to have that? And then, of course, you said you went home. You're staying with family, like, during this point. How important is it to kind of have that network around you to help you chase your dreams? It is literally the difference between success and failure because I never wanted to quit. That was never, like, in me. I was never, like, a quitter. I never saw myself as a person that was going to quit. It was more so of seeing other people that were getting opportunities, and I wasn't. And I thought, what are they doing that I'm not doing right? And I kept seeing other people get all these opportunities and then not lasting. Like all the opportunities I wanted, I saw them give them to somebody else. And then those people didn't last, right? But seeing that and seeing getting constantly rejected, it messes with you mentally, man. You start thinking, I'm not good enough. I'm trash. Oh, my God. This and that. And if it wasn't for my fiance kind of painting me this bigger picture where he's like my issue is I could only see what is right in front of me I only see my problem right I don't see everything else he's that person that's like you need to stick take a step back and look at the situation and analyze it in a different way and see the big picture so if it wasn't for him I don't think I would realize how far I've gotten and the things that I've done if I didn't have somebody like him basically you know giving me words of encouragement telling me like you're good enough because I, it, it messes with you. And people keep telling you no. You start thinking, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I really just freaking suck, right? You're just thinking like, maybe I just suck this and that. And this is, there's so much that goes into it, especially if you're a woman. You start thinking, oh my God, I'm not sexy enough. I'm not pretty enough. I don't look like that girl on TV. And let's be real. There's a certain look that you have to attain to be in these positions. And I That was another thing that I struggled with. I struggled with not looking a certain way, the way that people, you know, what we're used to seeing, what the norm is for women. And so it was just a bunch of that that, you know, sometimes brought me down. It brought me down. It messed with me uh, mentally. And so having him be that person to say, no, this is what you have and stop tearing yourself down, it was great to have that. And he's still, to this day, 
is constantly giving me promos <laughs> and speeches and helping me like you know, uh, and here's the thing. He's like a big sports fanatic. So he always uses like sports analogies. And he always tells me about like, you know, stories about like Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and all these people that were, you know, great talents, but they had to face these massive hurdles. And, you know, he tells, uh, I'm not a big sports fanatic, so I forget the names of some of the other people, but he tells me about people that were, you know, great players, but they were like the you know, the not drafted at one point, and then they ended up proving people wrong. And so it's stories like that, real true stories from people that have overcome things that I feel like I connect with. All right, so being a woman in the industry. So listen, before you started, you, had, you said you had these, not before you started, before things took off, you had concerns about not being pretty enough. Let's put all that to the side. Now that you've made it, those DMs are different. The way people treat you is different because you're a woman in this industry. How is that challenge now? Because I know there's a, I know as a man, we get this a lot. We, we, you know, why are these people contacting me? What do they want from me? Right? How have you been able to deal with this as a woman? Because it's got to be a lot different in an industry that's still dominated by a lot of white men. So I do get this creepy DMs. I think I've gotten just about like everything that you can think of, but I don't have my Twitter DMs open for a reason. And my Instagram DMs, you know, I've had people invite me to their basement to do God what? knows what. Not I don't wrestling, know, I hope. Right. Um, you know, people asking for, you know, photos and stuff like that. And I'm like, nope. I legitimately block everybody. But I think one of the hardest things that I've had to face is going on, coming across certain things on the internet where people take your photos and they break down every little piece of your body. I ran into a forum once and I saw people pulling up my photos and literally talking about my body, dissecting it to the point where there was people having conversations about my, get this, ribs. People were breaking down and analyzing my ribs. The internet is weird. <laughs> okay. I'm like, I get like analyzing a woman's, you know, uh, sexual body parts. I get that. But your ribs... And, and, and like pulling out photos and like, I don't post on social media anymore about my family or my fiance. I don't post their pictures up there because I now realize that people will take that and critique that. And I don't want that. But before I did post pictures up of my fiance and I remember, and finding those pictures, people found those and put them up on forums and, you know, started spreading disgusting rumors and all of that. And that's very hard because I can, like, it's one thing to take the critique from me because I'm a public person and I've made myself a public person, but my family and, you know, my loved ones are not public people whatsoever. So I've had to take this responsibility now where I don't post pictures of them at all because I don't want them to be, I don't want, I don't want to post a picture of somebody I love and then have somebody start critiquing them because they didn't put themselves in that position to be, you know, take that kind of stuff. And so that's been something that has been, you know, sort of difficult. But the one thing that I think has been very hard is because we're not used to women and we're not used to women speaking on podcasts, it's the thing of the voice. People are uncomfortable sometimes listening to a woman's voice. They critique our voice a lot where it's, she's annoying. She's so annoying. Why? Because she has this female voice. And it's been one of those things where I'm like, I'm not going to sound like a guy. I'm going to have a higher pitch voice. I'm from Los Angeles. I'm going to sound like a valley girl. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. And so it, it's one of those things where you have to get over that because sometimes even just people won't take you seriously. Why? Because you sound like an L.A. Valley girl. People won't take you seriously. You're sort of uh, you're fighting against 
uh, a prejudice that people have where it's like, oh, she's not smart. She's clueless. Why? Because she sounds like this. But so that's been a hard thing for me where I'm like, I want people to know that I'm smart and I want people to know, hey, let's take her words seriously, regardless of the way I sound and the way I speak. Well, that's weird. I mean, I've had like three different voices during the course of this <laughs> podcast. So <laughs> it's, it's all right. Andres pulled up like the third episode the other day and he was like, what? Yeah, who are you? I didn't know who you were. It was loud. This <laughs> higher voice. Is, yeah, yeah. what happens when you start a podcast at 23 years old yeah. or however old I was. Yeah, it's all right. I have not gone through a second puberty for those who were questioning that before. But you have those little critiques, right? And then I, I see this a lot on the internet for women in the industry. How tough is it for you to kind of like block that out? And when you have people, even if they're not in DMs, if it's just on your Twitter timeline, or I saw someone today, I think Renee posted something, and they, they posted something completely fucking random about Renee. Like that had nothing to do with like the thread of the conversation. They were just like, I forgot what it was. I felt like put them on blast, but I don't want to give like people like that like a, a platform. Right. But it might have been something with like, oh, Renee, I don't know, sure, hasn't lost that baby weight yet or some stupid. I was just like, what? Yeah, why? For what? What does that have to do with a podcast? Like, it, it makes no sense, right? So um, there's those little critiques that are outside of DMs. They're just sometimes nameless, faceless people on Twitter. They have the stupid avi of a cartoon character or something how do you block those out and, and really go about not letting those people have credence into what you're right doing? so if you've been on my twitter page you've seen that i tend to draw a lot of twitter drama and i always thought oh i remember when i started to get a little bit more popular uh, sean told me he's like man you're gonna get a lot of crap like just be ready you're gonna get a lot of crap and i'm like yeah no i'm like if you're unproblematic You'll be fine, right? <laughs> oh, I was so wrong. It doesn't matter. People will come at you. Um, it doesn't matter if you consider yourself unproblematic, if you don't butt in. People will come in and directly attack you. There's times where I don't even know, like, I'll post something, and then the next morning I'll wake up, and, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this person is going on a full vengeance against you. And I'm like, I don't even know this person. I don't even know who this is or why they're coming after me. And so there's two things now. I'm very selective with who I respond to. I ignore everybody. But there's times where lessons need to be learned. So I will make sure to defend myself when I feel I need to. And the, and this is where things come into play where you can I, – I remember the first time I defended myself on Twitter – I feel like I didn't do it in a proper way. I feel like I did it in too much of a, oh my God, you did this to me sort of thing. Well, I learned to play the game like a dude. That's the thing. You got to play this like a dude. When you got dudes coming at you, you got to burn dudes the way another dude would burn them. So I've gotten really good at making <laughs> sure that if you come at me, I'm going to come back at you with the snarkiest, meanest response ever and that sounds really bad but you gotta play if you got people coming out here and attacking you and they're trying to ruin your character you need to make sure you gotta you gotta bring you gotta bring your best you gotta make sure that they don't 
bury you. Like you got to protect yourself. You got to protect your reputation. And uh, I for, I forgot what's going on. Channeling your inner MJF. Yeah, you got it. You got to protect yourself. You got to play it. You got to play it smart. And so I, I I make sure to to do that. And then the other thing is I just ignore it. I ignore it. And I tell myself like, dude, like you're making money now. A lot of people can't be in this position and you are. And a lot of people are asking themselves, how the hell did she do it? How did she do it? A lot of people don't know how I did it because people don't understand the work that goes behind it. So I just ignore it or I respond in a snarky way. Yeah, you 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 pull the you pull the Triple H promo of the I don't play the game. I am the game, JR. I am the game. Exactly. I am the game. I, I think I think all these all these elements kind of kind of kind of like they kind of make up what what is your style and is is your brand where it's it's this incredibly hardworking kind of like underdog story, which then comes with kind of being able to stand up for yourself and defend yourself. And I think we had a conversation a little bit about about this off air, but I think where that kind of meets in the middle for you and what makes your stuff so special is transparency. You tweet everything that's going on. And it's like, if there, if there's a wrestling episode that's on, like just the, the timeline is full, Denise, 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 everything is going on. And then there's a show after that. And then on top of that, it's just random day to day things. You've got all the all of your tweets so far about you being in Vegas and gambling and and putting the you know you're you're out. She's she's net positive by the way, which is great. I'll say you're still up, right? She's she's up. Okay. So you're I already right. told her, don't. You're good. Drop yeah. out. <laughs> but how important is, especially for your role as a woman in this industry, how important is being able to have that layer of transparency where you go like, this is my life, and Fuck all y'all for hating it. But also, if you want to come along for the ride, come along for the ride. I think the thing that I've come to realize is real uh, being relatable is such a key factor to whether or not you're going to succeed in something. Because when you relate to somebody, that is how you form, uh, you know, a, a, rela- a sort of a relationship, like a fan relationship. Think of all the people you guys admire. Uh, whether, you know, it's a singer, an actor, a, any sort of whoever it is that you look up to. I'm sure part of that reason is because you somehow related and connected to that person. So I make sure people know who I am because there's people out there that might connect with it. And I'm very, very open. And I, you know, on my vlogs and we were talking about this off air, I will like literally pour my heart out to strangers and Put it out there and whatever, because you just don't know who it's going to connect with. And I have seen a lot of people write to me. They write me letters. They write me messages telling me how they connected with me in some sort of way. Uh, they tweet me. Uh, they come up to me at the shows. And I've, you know, you have no idea how many women come up to me and they tell me, oh, my husband or my boyfriend, he showed me your videos. Or guys come up to me, oh, I showed your videos to my girlfriend, this and that. And I didn't know that that was going to be a thing. I had no idea that people were going to say, hey, I, I knew you. Just yesterday, when I went to Rampage and I went to go get my tickets at the box office, the woman at the box office told me, oh, my God, I know who you are. You're Denise. My husband watches your videos. And, and I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, we love you. And, and I'm thinking to myself, holy moly, like, this is crazy. And so it's things like that that help me blur out the negativity because just because we, we always talk about how you can get 1,000 nice comments and one comment will ruin your day. Yep. But that's giving more power 
to that one person than all the other people. The other people, they matter and they matter. And so you have to take, you also should be protective of what they are writing to you and be respectful of that because those people matter too and their opinions matter too, not just this one person. I love it. All right, so we have a card game. We're not going to get to it yet, but that's coming soon. Oh, yes. I have to hit you with some wrestling questions now because I got to yes. figure out who you are as a, oh, as a wrestling scared. fan. <laughs> I'm scared. Now the real test begins. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, Brother Sean. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so <clears throat> now this is an argument that I've had and I've gone back and forth on it. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with Bret Hart. The table is even. I mean, obviously, I have a Bret Hart show. Yes. So that, but the answer is, the question is, Turning my why? back. I, so I will tell you, if you would ask me this question a couple of years ago, I would have said Shawn Michaels because I, I love Shawn Michaels and I'm we such a do. big fan of Shawn Michaels and I respect and he brings such a level of excitement to wrestling that is, you know, not everybody can bring to the table. And for the longest time, I would have answered Shawn Michaels. Things started to change when I started to go back and like rewatch Bret Hart's work. And not just that, it's more so of his knowledge of the business and wrestling that it's so hard not to respect and fall in love with that. There's, you know, everybody always saying like, Bret Hart's always right. And in my podcast, if you tune in, there's a big like flag for Bret Hart there. Mm -hmm. And I have it there because I'm like, he's the smartest person in wrestling. So he's like number one for a lot of people. And so I want to have number one, you know, there to have bring me good luck, bring me good vibes. And so definitely, I would say Bret Hart. See, listen, Bret's the best person. He's the better person. Oh, well, yeah, of course he is. He's That's not the better wrestler. But I do love Shawn. <laughs> but I do love Shawn Michaels. But yeah, they're one A, one B. I love Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the reason for me, the question boils down to it kind of dictates what you like out of your pro wrestling. Depending on how you answer that question, Kale's a flippy shit. I love the flippy shit. He loves I love it. the flippy shit too. Flippity dippity. The flippity dippity, <laughs> as Kenny King called it yesterday. <laughs> but with Brett, I think for a lot of us, we appreciate the technical aspects of what Brett brought to the table as as an artist, right? It wasn't always flippity dippity shit. That psychology was so important to Brett, the ability to make other people look good. And I think there's, it's weird because like you see Dax, you see like CM Punk, you see them. Praise Bret Hart, and then you see how they work, and their work is always to make somebody else look better. So it's not always indicative of the type of person you are, but I like to hear the reasons why people bring that up. Uh, what's the greatest WrestleMania of all time? Ooh, so can oh, in terms of like the card, or in terms of like my experience? We'll start. We'll do the card first, okay. and then we'll do your experience. I feel like for me, it has to be WrestleMania 17 because that was the first WrestleMania that I watched live in person and there was just that's one of the few wrestlemanias that i remember i had the vhs and i would go back and rewatch it multiple times but in terms of like my favorite wrestlemania and it's not because of the card but it's wrestlemania of 35 in new york because i got proposed to that night so it oh, has like a special that, meaning that, to me that'll yeah. do it that'll yeah, do it that's fair yeah that's fair you win right so it's 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 hard to answer like i feel like i'm saying wrestlemania 17 but i'm like damn such a special moment happened to me at wrestlemania 35 that it's like how can i diss it i can't diss it <laughs> but uh wrestlemania 17 has a special place in my heart because i feel when you go back and i think about some of my earliest rest, like wrestling memories i go i remember 
just like watching that WrestleMania over and over again. And then WrestleMania 21 was the first WrestleMania I ever attended. So that one also really okay. We were there together. Yes, 21. Yes. Yes. And so that one also has a special place in my heart just because it was the first one I went to. Okay. Uh, One more. I'm going to let Kel ask a few questions. By the way, WrestleMania 35, my honeymoon. Oh, oh, that's up? right. That yep. was your husband. After Wedding Mania. Yep. <laughs> wedding Mania. Uh, let's see. Your three favorite wrestlers. They don't have to be the best. Your favorite. All right. Number one, Chris Jericho, because he is the person that made me fall in love with wrestling. He's the person that I just, I gravitated towards. Number two, CM Punk, because in my teenage years, he was the person that made me fall in love with independent wrestling. He was the guy that I discovered in the end like from my experience I discovered him in the indies and that's where I started to have this appreciation for independent wrestling so I was very very devoted to him for all those years and then third because I think that he is just the greatest it is Kurt Angle because Kurt Angle is just my god I, I don't know how to describe Kurt Angle wait 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 so WWE Kurt Angle <laughs> Impacts Kurt Angle. Perk Angle. Perk Angle. <laughs> that yes. man was a legend. I don't think enough people appreciate that maniac and the matches that he had. Right? My God. Yeah. And then, I mean, there's just so many other people. You know, we already talked about Brett. AJ Styles is somebody that has to go up there. Uh, Brian Danielson is another person. You know, I got to see him in PWG back in the day. Uh, I mean, there's just so many people. Yeah. So you got any? That's that L.A. living. <laughs> You're just yeah. like, oh, I saw him in PWG. Because hey. it was down the block. Oh, yeah. I was in eighth grade when I started going to PWG. And when the tickets were still $25, oh I would sit in the third row for $25. My uncle would take me. I remember he took me to, like, he told me, like, oh, I'm going to take you to, like, independent wrestling. And I looked at him, and I was like, what the hell is that? And he's like, oh, it's, like, wrestling, but not, like, it's not WWE. Like, he described it, right? And I asked him, I'm like, are they going to have fireworks? And he's like, No. <laughs> and I'm a kid, so I looked at him and I was like, what kind of rink-a-dink place are you taking me to? But I went, and I remember the first match I watched was featured Chris Saban, Chris Hero. Oh it was good stuff. It was at the Jewish Community Life Center that, back in the day. That's the super OG place. Yeah. Did, you, oh, did you go to the goodness. warehouse before they shut it down? Uh, I went American to the, the only two locations I went to were the Jewish Community Life Center. I went to all their shows there. And then I went to another place, and I don't know if it was in Burbank or in Glendale. So you didn't go to the one in Reseda? It might have been the Reseda one. Which one's? I yeah, they just moved from that. Yeah, American it was like Legion. A big one. It's it's yeah. not big. It's hot as hell. The air conditioning never worked. Were there worked. somewhere before the the Legion? Because I stopped going yeah. once the tickets got really expensive. Well, oh, they were they were at American Legion from 2015. I'm pretty sure I went. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. the hot as hell warehouse. Yeah, yeah. the bar over there. And the, yes. the really beer and pizza. Bathroom. That's yes. it. That yes. beer and pizza. Yes. Oh, man, I love those shows. <laughs> but and I didn't go to that many shows there. I think I went to, like, one there. But the thing is, going to a PWG show reinforces your love of pro wrestling because you feel like you had something nobody else had. Yes. I remember watching. I just tweeted this yesterday because I was, you know, I got to be close up for Rampage. And seeing uh, Brian Danielson, I sat there and I thought, I haven't seen him wrestle this close to me since PWG. <laughs> What? That was, you know, half my life ago. So I, I was just sitting there like in awe, like thinking about this. And it, it's, it's crazy how time flies by so fast. But yeah, those PWG days, they were, they were good, man. The, video, I, I the videos that, that live on the internet now forever are just some of the oh. greatest wrestling you could ever watch. So go down the PWG rabbit hole. If you haven't, you owe it to yourself. And just and especially go find Jushin Liger going in slow-mo with the remote. That's one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. things I've ever seen. That's, yeah, that's 
Colas were great. Anything, I mean, dude, Adam Cole, Kevin Steen and Generico, uh, Steen Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> Everything was just Ricochet, magic. Ricochet, just, yeah. If you've been to a PG, PWG show, you are a wrestling fan. Yes. Yeah. So there's no way to not be a wrestling fan. Funny story. I, uh, Ronda Rousey, I had them go to their first PWG show. And that's what flipped the switch for her to be a pro wrestler. Yeah, that's when uh, Champa. Yes. When she, when she, she chopped, chopped Champa. She, she chopped uh, Busick. Music, yeah, yeah, music. That's then, cool. <laughs> yeah, after that, because Shayna and Jessamyn Duke were always pro wrestling yep. fans. They brought Ronda. Ronda sat in the second row, and she was like, holy shit. This yep. is what wrestling is? Now she works for WWE, and I know she's like, this isn't what. <laughs> this is not what I saw back then. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so we went nostalgic. I'll go recent. Who is the most underrated wrestler right now? I'm going to go with Tommaso Ciampa. Ooh. I think that he is a phenomenal wrestler. With a presence that I love this kind of presence where a guy comes in and he walks into your, a room and you're like, ooh, he could kill me if he wanted to. I love that. Like the Samoa Joe vibe. The I could buy that this guy is a legitimate MFR and he is going to take out whoever he wants. Uh, so Tommaso Ciampa for me is one of these guys that I'm like, I have so many dream matches um, that I would like to see him in. Uh, so he's one of those that I would say. I hope he goes to Edge's stable. <laughs> like at this point like do something yeah, with him. Yeah. yeah just don't have him in catering so alright so that's underrated give me right now currently your best sports entertainer not just in WWE oh I was gonna say but so like, that means just WWE <laughs> no just like promos character in ring aside best best okay and then I'll follow it up with your best wrestler but Caveat, they got to be 35 and under. I don't want Danielson. I don't want uh, Teddy Omega. I think Okada's 35, 36. Okay. No Okada. 35 and under wrestler, but anyone can be sports entertainer. All right. So best sports entertainer. I'm going to have to go with, oh, this is, I don't want to go with someone that's super cliche, but damn, I do have to give a lot of credit to Becky Lynch. I think she is doing a great job with her character work. Uh, I love, there's a lot of little things that she does that I very much appreciate. She's taken her game to a whole new level. And so I feel like she needs to be credited for that. You like this character better than the man? Uh, Some aspects of it, yeah. I love the psycho Becky Lynch. When she gets psycho, that's the Becky Lynch that I love. Okay. And then pro wrestling. Under 35. Under 35. Under 35. All right. I'm trying so to eliminate I'm, I'm the OGs trying, who I'm are trying like. To think. I don't know anybody's like actual ages. But you, but you know, like none of the OGs. Like no AJ Styles, no anything like that. Adam Cole's probably still under 35 because he's stupid young. Yeah, but you know what? I'm bumming them both over 35 for the sake of this conversation. Because <laughs> they're. <laughs> oh, man. They got okay. like 20 years wrestling experience. They're like 32 years old. Who do I really enjoy? Uh, how old? No, I don't know how old is Rich Swan. He's is he over thirty five? Yeah, I believe he's so. way yeah, old. Is he way older than thirty five? Yeah, Swan's been around. He's like I, Keith Lee's age, right? Like thirty six. I love him a whole lot in terms of like his in ring wrestling stuff. Oh, I want to say Adam Cole, but you're bumping him up to the thirty five and older. Man has like five stars. Give the give yeah. her Adam Cole, man. That's Adam Cole. You got too many caveats with this under thirty five. I guess I could have went under thirty, but then that gets like. 
then it's like good date. luck. He, he spelled, or in that he, case, in that case, maybe we can talk about like young up and comer stars. Sure. I like that. Maybe more so like the sure. younger talent that I, like, I really like. I, I want to probably shift it over then to. Um, I feel like on NXT, I would definitely go with Carmelo Hayes because I think he's great. Yes. Over on AEW, they just have so many people. And I want to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with. No, I'm not going to go with this person. Hold on. I'm thinking. I'm running down the roster this is, this, right this now. Is, this is the stumper. Hold yeah. on. I'm yeah. running down the roster because I want to make sure I give proper. Proper shout outs here. I feel like Dante Martin somebody to talk about because he always goes out there and does such a good job. Uh, but there's. I also want to put over Ricky Starks yes. because I feel he doesn't get enough appreciation. And I want to put his name out there, too. But there are a couple other people that I'm not thinking about right now. That like Daniel if, Garcia? Yeah, I think Daniel Garcia is really great, You're too. You're a bigger Daniel and, Garcia guy. Though. I am. I have mean, you he's worked work? with Jericho. Dude. I mean, have you well, No, he's always been anything? a great wrestler. He's, he's no, great. his wrestling's and I didn't. Him adopting the sports entertainer thing has been. I didn't think, honestly, if we're being honest, I didn't think he could grab a gimmick. I didn't think he'd have a gimmick. I thought he'd have to be an indie guy who's just going to... Like, I, I thought he was just going to be the guy you put in a match and not do anything else. But this gimmick, I'm like, okay. But he can work his ass off. Yeah, like being part of a faction is pretty good. I I don't know if he's bringing up another name. Um, like Sammy has been able to take the character, leave the faction, and he's a good character. I thought he was just a worker on the indies. He was just young as hell, but super charismatic. Great character work now. Daniel could do the same. I had my doubts, but he's a good wrestler. You don't need to pick Adam Cole either. He spells his name wrong. He stole <laughs> yeah. my gimmick. So we're, we're talking about that. But. All right. So we got 10 minutes. We got this. Yes. Time. Okay. So Denise, to borrow from your, your stable of content here, you've been doing a series on YouTube called promo wars and go watch all that. So I thought I'm going to bring a little bit of that flavor here to the podcast here. We're going to play a little smack talk showdown. We're going to have it go between Kel and Andreas. Yeah. So for, for those at home who don't know the rules of the game, they're going to get two cards that are going to make up their name uh, of, of which wrestler that they are. It's going to be a segment, which is going to include the city and whatever the premises of their, of their show. And then they're going to get an additional prompt that is their, well, they have to finish their sentences with a certain word or they have to tell the city it's garbage or whatnot. So <laughs> we're going to... I'm going to, and we get to vote, right? Like, yeah, we're yeah. we're we're, okay. we're we're deciding who who wins it. So right. they're on the spot, and they also got 45 seconds to cut these promos. Yes, 45 seconds. So pick a card, any card. I'm right. gonna get a second name card, and you can put them in any order you want, and that's gonna be your wrestler. There's no name on my card. There's zero name on my. Card. Oh, oh no, so you got a blank. You got, here you yeah. go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait. You got to double check those. Are yours also blank? Here we go. All right. That one going? Leave it to Cole. Give us uh, you know. <laughs> My NXT 2.0 gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> He's already off to a fantastic start. Well, whatever you've got, we're going to change it, okay? Like, that's not going to be your official name. We're going to have to rechange it. So, so put them in whatever order and let us know what your wrestler name is. All right. Still. Oh, we got to tell you what, what Whatever it is? order you want. Yeah, tell us what it is. All right. I'm the Graceful Mobster. Graceful yeah. mobster, okay. Graceful mobster. Iron monster. Iron, Iron monster. monster. Oh, God. 
I was going to say Monster Iron, but... No, no, that doesn't work. It sounds like an energy drink. Yeah. All right. <laughs> let's, let's figure out what your segment is. Here we go. Like, wait, can I go full WWE and just drop my last name? Sure. Oh, like, like Big Christ. E Langston? <laughs> like, yeah. can I just be graceful? And I just... <laughs> <laughs> go with Mobster. No, 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 no. There's way no, more no, fun that, and graceful. That, then we're going towards the Pete Dunn Butch area. <laughs> so, Mobster! All right, here we go. Let's figure out what's... All right. All right. We're in uh, Bloom. Is that Bloomington, Minnesota? The wrestlers are fighting at a mall opening. They must promote the stores in the mall during the promo. All right. So think of your favorite food court places. Promote the stores in the mall. Think about your favorite food court places. Think about all the lovely places here at the Wynn, Las Vegas. It's the mall. In Bloomington is the city. Yes. There we go. We've got a little bell ring. And now, all right. Andreas, for your promo, <laughs> the speaker must boast about the amount of alcohol they can consume oh, wow. in one right. sitting. I got you. Damn, I wish I, I was. <laughs> that was perfect for Kill. That's, that's, that's my normal gimmick. <laughs> and let's see, because I want to find a good one for you. Uh, Where are we again? Bloomington. 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 Okay. Iowa? Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> Just put your geography. Uh, Kelly, oh, Kelly, you're going to have to geography. you're going to have to boast about the multiple wrestlers that you have trained. Your 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 gang of mobsters. Gotcha. Nice. All right. Who wants to go first? And once again, right. you are graceful. I'm graceful mobster who and has you, to talk you, about the stores the in the mall. Yeah, talk about the stores. I think in the you mall. should rock paper scissors to see who's going to go first. I like it. Ready? Oh. Do you One. rock paper scissors shoot? Or that's rock, always, paper, scissors. That's always the plot. Shoot. All right. All right, good. Make it short. Yeah. Okay. Rock, paper. Oh, oh. yeah. So, okay. okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. All right. So me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Andreas, I'll give you some time. Graceful. I don't need time. Monsters. You don't need you're ready. This guy's good. I just go. All man. right. Your camera will be that one. I'm gonna give you this? I'm gonna give you 45 seconds. Right there? Yes. Tell me when to go. All right. You can proceed with your promo in three, two, one, go. Graceful! We're in Bloomington and you're with the Iron Monster. We're in Charlotte Roos. We go to Forever Coming One. I'm gonna beat that ass while I guzzle chorus light. Vodka. Vodka Granberry. It's not gonna be graceful as I beat your ass through the food court. You son of a bitch. You think you're graceful until you drink Schlitz, Thunderbird. With Kool-Aid. I drink it all. The Iron Monster's got an iron lung and an iron kidney and an iron gut. It's not going to be graceful, mobster. Because I'm going to do a shootout on you at Champs. And then Foot Locker. And I'm buying kicks. And I'm drinking a shoey. <laughs> <laughs> he went a little over time, but that was wonderful. Love it. That was fantastic. Kel, uh, do you think you could top that? I don't know. This guy's good. How are you feeling? You, you ready feeling to go? Though. You yeah. ready to go? Yeah. All right. I'm going to give you 45 seconds on the clock. And you can go in three. And your camera's all the video, too. You go in three, two, one. I was told today we'd be in Bloomington. Every city's the same for me. I get here. They tell me about some iron, iron monster. He's nothing compared to the people I've trained. You want to know about a monster? You find me, 
my monsters at the food court. Just because I am grateful and graceful does not mean that I'm still not a mobster. I go to the mall to rob people. Fashionable. And this iron monster will find out that with the change of one letter, that a mobster is way better than anything he may be able to drink. We'll be there tomorrow night, Bloomington. Looking fashionable. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> there was a finesse that he threw in there. <laughs> it says being fashionable. With, with the delivery. I, I, I don't know. Fashionable That's, at the food court? I, Sir, I, I feel you got to like... understand there's bars to this. With the change of one letter, N to the B? Monster to mobster? Come on. That, that, there's, there's some bars. good synergy there. Bars. What do you got, one's, Denise? This one's going to be hard to judge because I loved both of your promos, but for different reasons. <laughs> I thought yours was more uh, thought out, I feel. Like, there was a lot of, like, the iron gut and the iron oh. this and oh, this man. and that. I thought that was great. And then, but then, Cal's yours was more so of, I think you 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 messed up a couple of the, you're, you messed up your own name. I think you called yourself Grateful. Grateful, yes. grateful too. Yes. But it kind of made me like want to just like burst out and start laughing. <laughs> so I kind of fell in love with the promo there. Um, so there was a lot of things that you did that kind of made me want to laugh. So I loved your promos for different reasons. What, what's your analysis of this? I haven't decided who I want to go with. Uh, I don't. I, I, I don't know. I almost feel like we need to just pick one of them. And Brian, you're going to have to be our tiebreaker. I'm, Andreas, I'm giving it to you. Okay. I love like the delivery. It. Listen, I'm a stickler for a great eight, late 80s pro. Yeah, that was. <laughs> yes. He very much hey, channeled Macho Man. I was going to kick down the cockpit. <laughs> I have to give it to Andreas, too, because... Yes. Like I said, it felt more well thought out. Sorry, but you're Cal. but you're oh, both like winners. Like Brian, did you did you have did you did you have thought? <laughs> I, he's giving it to Andreas. He is giving it to Andreas. Look, it's the background. It's the TV. I, I it's love, the fact that it looks like I love like a powerhouse wrestler who's also a drunk. So yeah. like, I can't. I can't that, knock that. The cards, the cards were in his favor. I, I like it. I gotta play with more of this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the losers. I tried to drink. channel a little bit of a he who may not be named. So in the character, <laughs> very graceful. <laughs> well, well, oh, we, we, we do, but we are we're running up against the clock. All right, let's. I mean, but you know, you know what we're gonna do? No, no, no. You know, you know what we're gonna do? Here, here's the deal. It's just gonna have to make Denise come back here the next time when Money in the Bank is here. And so we'll have a month to prepare. There's yep. going to be a lot of promos. It's going to be vignettes. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. There's going to be Cole is the master. Of this there's going to be there's going to be a lot. Like we're going to like I'm just going to go out into the wilderness and do my regal. He's a man's man promo. So <laughs> I'm I'm ready to go. So we we're going to hold it off until then. But they're the most anticipated matchup in a month. Right, we're going to start building here. it already. Already, Ooh, it's yeah, already being built right we're, now. We're going to sell out Allegiant Stadium. Well, you know, you know what? At yeah. least, at least, at least, someone's doing it that yeah. weekend. We got it. Oh my god! Producer Cole Bebe and Denise Salcedo live at Allegiant. It's happening. The venue's open. All right, Kale, yeah, take us home, man. Oh man, no, we appreciate everyone for joining us today. If you listen to Pod. Don't go anywhere. More great interviews after this. A ton of people rolling through Blue Wire Studios here at the Wynn Resort in Vegas. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. Thank you, Denise, for stopping by. You're 
crazy busy schedule. Your story is so inspirational. It needs to be told. We appreciate you. You would have done better than both Andreas and I at this game. So I'm glad you didn't play because you would have won fairly easily if you would have been in on this. Gee, thanks, Kel. I mean, <laughs> you know, I got to axe to grind with you, Cole. You took my DCs. You got a point. And then cut a promo on me about my own DCs. That's true. Yeah, I don't like you. I wish, I wish you lose at everything. Be right back. All right, everybody, we're back. I promised you more guests. Tons of people coming through Blue Wire Studios here in Vegas. Now, the man behind GCW, for my money, the hottest promotion in pro wrestling. I say this honestly. Like, we enjoy it. We go to every show every time we're in the weekends. Brett Lauderdale joining us today. Brett, thank you. Busy weekend out here it's in a Vegas. Busy weekend. Yep, there's a lot going on. I'm excited to be here, and my whole team's excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me here. I'm very impressed with the setup. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, it's a little comes, rich. Yeah, because it's a little ritzy. Not coming for you. <laughs> so thanks. I'm looking um, at like four hard cams right in front of me. Yes. Yeah. So. Listen, man, we're trying to get to your level. No, <laughs> I need to get on this side. Can I borrow these? <laughs> Please. No, we appreciate it. I mean, we, we've seen you throughout the years here in Vegas. So you guys are no strangers to Vegas. GCW. We love the shows here. First ever death match I saw was here. Um, cool. Yeah, a couple of years ago when you guys ran it. And you've now been all over the city, different venues. And it seems like everyone, your, your fan base travels. Now from city to city. What, when did you know, like, okay, we're, we're really taking it to the next level? Because you guys have been around for, for so long now. Yep. I mean, I think that the real turning point in terms of us becoming, like, um, you know, an indie, independent wrestling, like, powerhouse and going beyond the, you know, traditional scope, the, the traditional what an independent wrestling company is, was probably Spring Break 2 in New Orleans in 2018 um, when we were still working with Gabe and Sal as part of their, what, what was it, what was their thing called? Uh, More Than Mania or whatever. The, yeah. you know, their version of the collective, collective you yeah. know? Free collective. Um, and, you know, we were amongst heavy hitters that weekend. We were amongst two Evolve shows and then two Progress shows. At the time, you remember progress. It was UK huge. only, yeah. And like, so when huge. it came here, um, and we sold the most tickets of everybody that entire weekend. And we had, and our show was a midnight show. Um, and we blew away progress and evolve, and we blew away high spot the WrestleCon Super Show, which is always a huge show yep. every year, you know. Um, and, and we blew them away. We had the biggest crowd of the weekend, and that's when like became apparent that like not only were we onto something, but this is this could be like a long term thing, and we can like run with this. It was interesting because uh, Mike Weber mm -hmm. uh, over at Fight, we had a conversation years ago. And I think that's when I first was introduced to you. I think it was 2019, mm -hmm. about three years ago now. And he was saying, he's like, man, GCW is like, it's, it's so different, but it, it, it'll grab the, the laps fan, right? Because it, it's, it's wrestling. It's like, it's no bullshit. What did he say? He was like, it's no bullshit. It's no bullshit, Andreas. It's no bullshit. And he was like, we're so glad we picked it up in fight. And now they got an outlet. And over the past few years, it's like, the cool thing about it is, you guys run a lot of shows. If you miss a show, it's okay. You can go back and watch it. But you always get like tremendous action. And you never know who's going to show up. When did you realize like, 
you yes, you have your core group, but now it's like everybody wants to work with GCW. Yeah, I mean, it started. It's definitely started happening. I mean, it was. Um, you know, it's been a gradual thing, but you know, again, yeah, 2019. That was when we went from like, oh, there's this hot indie, right? And then you know, as it kept going, it's like, oh, they might actually stick around. This might not be flash in the pan type shit. And yeah, of course, that's when everybody started reaching out, you know, and wanting to be a part of it. And I, you know, it's obviously it's like humbling and whatnot. You know, I get messages all the time. Like I, I, and I apologize. I I no sell messages from like big names in the business, you know, and it's not because I'm like trying to diss them. It's just because there's so many, right? You know, and yeah. I can't keep up with them. And it's, I wish I could work with this person, but I literally don't have room for them. You know, like we're already stacked. We're, we're our lineups just don't have any room. And these are like good big names. There's so many that just want to be a part of it, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean. It, in the last couple of years, that's really become a thing now. Do you make it a point? Because a lot of people wouldn't do this. Do you make it a point to stay loyal to those people who were with you in 2017, 2018? Because with all those big names, some people might just be like, well, I don't have, yep. I don't have room for... The, no, we'll make room for these guys and we'll maybe bump people off of the cards like the staples that we've grown to see. Is that something that you, you're very conscious of? Of course I am. I mean, of course I'm, I try to be as loyal as possible to the people that have been with us you know, the longest, you know, that have been there, whether it's from day one or that you know, 2018 or 19, people that believed in us before everybody believed in us, you know. Um, it's a balancing act, of course, and it's, you know, it's a challenge at times to fit all these people on and make sure this person is getting what they deserve and, this, you know, that person gets what they deserve and also make room for these new people. It's That's one of the things that's, you know, can be stressful or challenging at times, but it's also a good problem to have, really? so... Um, but definitely, I mean, loyalty is definitely a thing, and I appreciate the people that have stuck with us through, you know, thick and thin, and the good times and bad. And because Lord knows, there's been plenty of those too. So um, I'm always, you know, definitely there's um, an effort made to you know, recognize those people. So the interesting thing is, like, a lot of businesses during the pandemic couldn't figure out what to do. We talked during all mm -hmm. this. Y'all figured the shit out, mm -hmm. and y'all, would you say that you got bigger during the pandemic? Because it, it was went a lot of places to go and people were at home and they needed something to watch. Mm -hmm. I knew a lot of people that I knew was like, you know, I'm going to get a chance to watch GCW. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think, you know, I, we definitely continue to grow during the pandemic. Um, I don't know if it's just a direct result of that. I mean, we were, our, we were, our, I mean, the trajectory we were was growing, there. right. We yeah, were, yeah. we were growing anyways. And the things that we lost due to COVID were significant. I mean, the growth was going to be there anyway. So, it's hard to say, was it just because we were the, you know, one of the only games in town or were we just growing anyways? But, um, I mean, one thing that's for certain is we didn't go backwards during COVID. Not at all. You know, um, uh, we found ways to connect to our audience and, and provide content and do it safely, you know, for, for fans and um, uh, talent. And, yeah, I mean, it definitely paid off, you know, staying focused and, and sticking to it. Around that time, see Nick fucking Gill mm -hmm. blow up around that time, right? When, like, COVID, in terms of restriction, and, you know, everyone has to stay inside, started ending, and people were able to go outside a little bit more. Nick Gage becomes a household name. What did that mean to you? Because that's, again, someone who's worked his ass off. You guys have a relationship, if anyone yeah. saw that episode. Mm -hmm. um, beyond just, you know, he works for your promotion. <laughs> What did it mean for you to watch him finally get his flowers and then transform into something, yeah. into a, a cult phenom at that mm -hmm. point? 
Well, yeah. I mean, I've known Nick for almost two decades, um, you know, in and outside of wrestling, you know, and I've known him, you know, and, and been through good and bad times with him, you know. So, you know, of course it means a lot to me to see him be successful and have, get his flowers, as you said, and, you know, I've and I've always believed that that it could happen, that it would happen, that he just needed to, you know, focus, believe in himself, you know, which is I'll tell you one thing that's crazy about Nick Gage, and maybe I'm breaking kayfabe here, but I think, you know, the hardest person it is to convince that Nick Gage is a star is Nick Gage himself, mm. you know, um, you know, so many of like my talks with him over the years has been, Nick, you can do this, like you need to be ready, your opportunity is going to come. You know, one of these big guys is going to come and they're going to want to do business with you. So you need to be ready. And for years, it was just, you know, they're not going to want to do anything with me. You know, who am I? You know, it's, no, Nick, there are people around the world. There are fans around the world and around this country that worship you, that look up to you, you know. Um, and he I mean, even when he sees it, even when they tell him, it's like sometimes it's hard. I'm like, you know, I'll be standing next to him and somebody will come up to him and say, thank you, Nick. You know, you you inspire me or you. You know, when I, my toughest times, you know, I look to you and, and, you know, seeing what you were able to do that motivated me, you know, and, you know, they'll come up and they'll say it and they'll walk away and I say, see, Nick, this is, there's, there's thousands of these people right. out there. And it's, you know, I think finally, only recently, um, it's finally started to get through to him like that, you know, he, um, you know, he can make, he can go, he can make a difference in people's life beyond wrestling. You know, I really think he could, you know, his, I don't think that his career uh, or, or relevance is over when he wrestles his last match. I think that there are things he could do. Um, that story is timeless. Yeah. In, in any profession, in any career, like everyone yeah. knows someone who goes through yeah. that journey. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, again, I've seen so many ups and downs with Nick since I first met him so many times when he was on the brink of breaking through and becoming a star and then something will happen and it's like, here we go again. And then are we ever going to recover from this? And then slowly we start to go back up and, you know, it's um, so, yeah, it's great. You know, I was there. I was in the building in Charlotte when he wrestled Jericho. And I was sitting up in the in the stands, you know, and it was like so surreal to me. And I was so nervous, definitely more nervous than he was. I was probably the most <laughs> nervous person, um, you know, like I had during the show, even before his match, like I had to get up and walk around like the concourse and like try to hide. Because, you know, people just wanted to, people recognized me and they were, course, yeah. you know, yeah, let's go, GCW, MDK. And I had to, like, kind of get away because I was so, you know, so nervous. I finally came back. And then when he came out, I was like, oh, shit, here we go. And he's coming down to the ring. You know, of course, like, you know, you don't, who knows how it's going to go, you know? Yeah. I mean, this guy's never wrestled on TV before, much less live television right. against Chris Jericho in the main event. And, you know, I watched him getting in the ring and the match starts. I swear. I mean, my I was in awe the whole match. You know, I was waiting for, you know, something to go maybe a little off the rails, but that match went perfect. Yeah, I watched him, and it felt like I was watching somebody who's been on TV for 20 years, like somebody who was a veteran, like like this guy's been, you know, doing TV. Like he's been on Monday Night Raw for the last 10 years. He every every movement in that match, every move, every sequence, he looked like a polished veteran who belonged in that spot. And as you know, again, you know. We're two minutes in, three minutes, five minutes in, right to the finish. I'm just in awe. You know, my heart was beating like, holy shit, you fucking did it, dude. You fucking did it. You know? Did he and, take it? Did, I mean, how did he take I mean, again, you tell him, you did it. 
How did you feel about the match? What did you think? I mean, I saw him afterwards, and um, yeah, I, th- I he was proud. I think he was definitely Good. proud Good. for sure. Um, you know, I think also, you know, he's trying to play it off like, of course. But <laughs> I mean, I know I had people, I had people calling me and texting me that afternoon from the locker room saying he looks nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, that was it. That was that was like the culmination. Like, like this is do or die. He did it. You know, yo, the dark. He alludes to the dark side of the ring episode. I mean that. That was a whole nother level. There's a lot of people who hadn't seen Nick before. Mm-hmm. But the story is what hooked people in. Dark Side of the Ring is one of those shows that people who don't watch wrestling watch the show. But a lot of the talent that's on Dark Side of the Ring, they're not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Nick is here. What, when did you get contacted? When did you guys get contacted about this? Did he have any apprehensions about doing it originally? Yes. I, it was a process to talk him into it. Every step of the way. Um, he's like... Um, his mindset for most of his career has been, you know, kayfabe, you know, like, oh, we're not going to talk about this or that on camera. I'm not going to do this interview. Like every interview he ever did was always in character, you know? So getting him to, I mean, he said no several times. Like I, Vice went through me to get him. And so like, you know, I'm talking to him and and they're saying, how's, you know, is he good? Are we going to do it? And he's saying, Fuck no. And I kept telling them, I was like, yep, he's good. Yep, we're good. When are, you, when are we doing it? So I knew I had like, all right, I got like three weeks to convince this guy because they're coming to New Jersey. So slowly, like I started to get more people on board to like break it down to him. Like, this is going to change your life. You know, you have to do this. Good, bad, and ugly. There's obviously, you know, your whole story's not glorious, but here we are. Look, there's going to be a payoff here at the right. end. And um, yeah, I mean, finally he agreed to do it. And um, What did you say to get him to agree? What was the tipping point? I mean, it, it was, I don't think there was any one thing I said. It was just being relentless with him and telling him, like, even when he would say no, like, all right, well, we're filming in September, so, like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's bro. <laughs> right, like, I don't know what you're going to need or whatever, but they're coming in September, so, yeah. And then you go from that moment with Nick to then, I think you guys were in Vegas right after that show, and Moxie shows up. This, no, this was one week before... Jersey? One week before... Uh, oh, wait, no. I don't know. You might be right. Yeah, it's uh, either... It's between, like, the Vegas and Jersey The Jericho show. thing was was one week before Matt Cardona. Yep. I yes. don't remember the timing with Mox. But, yeah, sure. Yeah, so yeah. You, I think Cardona's, you, yeah, when they start okay. throwing shit. Yeah. Um, Nuts. We'll talk about yeah, that in a second. Um, so, main event okay. out yep. here. Yes. And then Moxie shows up yes. after, and they have the stare down. Yes. And that's the tease. And I think it takes like a year for the match to come to fruition. Yeah, like it was six a months slow build. Yeah, slow build for that match. One thing we don't see a lot in indies per se is like these storylines and the mm-hmm. slow builds and what you did there with those two, what you've done with Cardona, who you just mentioned, and I mean the Cardona stuff. He's holy fuck, incredible! Yeah. Right, yes. they're pelting him with shit in the ring. Yeah. So, how much of that do you take pride in? As this oh. being your company, because a lot of people are just like, oh, we're just going to throw these two people together in a match, and it's all right. People will pay and all this stuff, but you guys are different. Yeah, uh, I mean, of course, I take like great pride in that, and I'm proud of those moments. And I mean, those are moments that um, that are going to live forever, you know. Um, and those are the moments that you kill for, you know. They're they're part of our identity and part of our history and part of our legacy, you know. Um, you know, those are moments that's you know they stand the test of time, and you can always show people. Um, 
But it's, you know, yeah, storylines and storytelling. And indies is also challenging. You know, I don't have anybody under contract. So, you know, especially when working with bigger names, you know, you say, oh, let's build this story over the next five or six months. It's a good idea and it sounds easy, but you don't know if this guy even going to be here in two months, three months, four months. And you try to invest all this time and then maybe somebody's gone. I mean, did you hear who is going back to WWE today? No, we have not. Jeff Jarrett has been rehired. Jesus. He's going to be running the entire live events He's just operation. people with guitars. <laughs> well, I mean, we just released a whole new video yeah. with Effie and him. And yeah. obviously, if, you know, I mean, it's pretty obvious we had a rematch lined up. Right, yeah. So I don't know. I, I haven't even talked to him since then. So I don't know if it's going to happen or not. But those are the things that can happen, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, but, I mean, we try our best, you know. We do try our best to maintain storylines from top to bottom. Did you go to Moxley or did Moxley come to you? A um, little bit of both. Um, there was intermediaries involved, too. Okay. You know, um, he was, you know, Moxley's a different kind of guy. Clearly. You know, yeah. but the one thing about Moxley is he never really changed who he was. And I know, I've known Moxley for almost 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that helped and that he's, you know, a little familiar with me and he, course nick he knew very well um and i think you know, i don't want to say he was bored in AEW, but he wanted to do different stuff that he couldn't right. do in AEW, death matches and indie stuff that stuff's fun for him too he likes being like in that raw environment and if he's gonna go anywhere why not start with us you know right. um somewhere where he knows he can be comfortable and kind of do his thing so so we know moxley is a maniac Mm-hmm. We didn't know Matt Cardona's name. Mm-hmm. How does this all come to fruition? Because you know Matt, Matt Cardona is a guy. Did you know him previously? To no. Nope. So did he present this whole idea to you? Did you guys? How did you hash this out? And he becomes like the biggest heel yeah. ever. This was another instance where there was intermediaries, mutual friends. Um, and um, I mean, first of all, I've always been a fan of the Zack Ryder thing. It was you know, it's corny, whatever. It's kind of corny, and it's very WWE. But, like, I, I love that. I appreciate that, too, you know? Um, and I always, there's, there's so many, there's not so many. There are others like him and that character that, I, that you always think, like, wow, imagine putting them in the GCW environment, you know? And he's, like, the most of that character, you know? Like, he is that character. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, when he became available, we had a mutual friend who connected us. and. Um, I remember talking to him on the phone the first time and um, he was, he was down for whatever. I mean, he was really open to hearing my ideas and I remember him saying, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Sounds about right. Yeah. (laughs) And he was, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think like, I think back at the conversations, like I've never had one conversation with him that ever was like, uh, you know, there was one ounce of him, you know, being, you know, um, a headache or or frustrating or pulling any, I'm a big star. None of that type of mentality. He's always been about the team, believe it or not. He's been down for GCW from first starting the angle with Gage mm-hmm. and being willing to go crazy with Gage, you know, full-blown, um, to, to everything that came after it. Uh, he's always been down for the team. Uh, he's been flexible on everything that comes with it, you know, the business side of it. And um, and he wants more. <laughs> I mean, he wants to do more. Totally. All the time we talk about, you know, um, I mean, he'll be like, 
me personally, I'm always, I do a lot of things like on the fly. Like I haven't even booked half of our shows through the end of July yet. You know, I have the dates, but I don't have the matches and everything. Right. But so wait, 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 I'm going to stop you in there and let you pick that up. Mm-hmm. So when you post the mat, like the, who, the talent is appearing as a match, is this as it's coming up? A lot of it is. Holy shit. A lot of it is. I mean, you know, there's, there's base talent that I know is going to be here. Right. But, um, you know, the matches and stuff. A lot of it is, I mean, yeah, like a lot of matches don't even become matches till a week or two weeks before the show. Um, and it's, you know, it's a luxury that we have because the fans trust us at this yeah, point. No, I don't we, don't have give, to, but, we don't give a shit. Like, no, right, I know what up. I'm getting. Yeah. Right. Um, um, so Cardona is so busy. I mean, his schedule is booked out through like October and November and even December. So like he'll message me all the time. Be like, I'm into October, November. You have any dates for me? I'm like, dude, I haven't even, I'm like still in <laughs> August right now. You know, so, um, but props to him. I mean, he makes he makes sure that GCW gets first dibs. You know, like he'll say to me, like, "Hey, I just got an offer for October fifteenth. Are you doing anything? Do you need me that day?" Like he'll make sure that I let him know first before he accepts, which is awesome. That is you know, awesome. It's a guy that wants to be here. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. Looking forward, I mean, again, you said it's such a high demand now from talent who are leaving companies maybe they get released maybe they they ask for their release whatever it may be now you guys are getting this rep of like i can kind of rehabilitate my character or i can finally take control of my character and who i want to be how do you then when you say okay i do want to work with this person how does that work where you go like i need this from you but i'll also allow you to be yourself because a lot of these people come to a place where they haven't been allowed to be themselves mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of instances where we just go in cold, you know, like, um, you know, a lot of times there's mutual friends or something. And, you know, um, I think a lot of times people, you know, they know they know what they're getting into with GCW. And at the same time, I think, you know, they know what, what my expectations are going to be, you know, like. Um, but I do always make a point of that. I mean, there's, of course, there's been people who, um, you know, where I, where I make it very clear, like the first call, like uh, I remember talking to Leo Rush for the first time. And, um, you know, again, we have mutual friends, but it was like, I told him like everything that you haven't been able to do in WWE, like, you can do that here. You know, if you have a character or, you know, whatever moves or a promo or a presentation that you've been wanting to do, this is where you can do it. And, um, you know, and, and I think that, um, of course he appreciated that and he loves that, you know, Leo's such a creative guy, right. Yeah, you know, but um, that's always part of the sell when a sell is needed. Like, this is different here. You know, I want to hear what you want to do. And then we'll, you know, put our spin on it to make it, um, you know, GCW compatible, you know. But um, is that why we see a lot of, real quick, a lot of um, the talent who come in work GCW talent? When they do come in, you kind of go like, you know, Cardona would come in and work Gage. Mm-hmm. Or um, I've seen... Even you guys had Scorpio Sky. No, 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 no. Scorpio. Uh, two cold Scorpio. And we had Woods Mark out. Yeah, two cold Scorpio <laughs> yes. came in. Yeah, and he worked like uh, a local talent or someone who's on. He GCW. worked Bay. Oh, he worked Bay. Yep. Effie works a lot of people. Yes, as well. Um, AJ Gray. Mm-hmm. People come in. They'll work AJ. Mm-hmm. It seems like you always kind of pair someone. Like, hey, there's a new person, mm-hmm. but crowd, don't worry about it. They're working someone you know. Yes. Like, you're you're going to get something. Yeah. that's us with mm-hmm. this match. Mm-hmm. That's a concerted effort? Of course. Um, yeah, I mean, you bring somebody in that's, you know, not 
traditionally GCW style, I mean, yeah, you want to put them with somebody who's the definition of GCW, you know, like an Effie or an AJ. That's going to, you know, you're going to get, it's going to, they're, they're going to be able to help that person, you know, be GCW if they need that help. Not everybody needs it. But maybe some people do. Um, but yeah, of course. I mean, throw them right into the fire, you know? So that's kind of how we it's do it. It's almost literally for a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> but like, oh, this is such a nice door here. What is this yeah, door? What does this do? Yeah, like, you know, oh. three, three doors deep. Hammerstein Ballroom. Huge for you guys. Yeah. Makes me wonder. The collective has done well, like you've done like WrestleMania weekends. Is there gonna be a, a time where GCW splits off and has their event, like their their prime pay-per-view? Because Hammerstein did really well for you guys. Mm-hmm. And it feels like we're reaching that point where to have a that tent pole GCW event. Yeah, I mean, traditionally it's always been spring break has always kind of been our big right. event. Um, you know, it's it's the culmination of collective or it's whatever it's the featured event of the collective every year and yeah that's traditionally been our our big event but it is part of a weekend of events so something like hammerstein which was on its own um and was so successful yeah i think we would love to do something like that every year you know and be able to have our own feature attraction on its own and yeah i think you know Probably will try to do that again. It doesn't feel like you could be too far away from. It. I mean, from the talent that you have to pick from and the talent that you have to put together a marquee event like that, you know you can sell. Mm-hmm. Is there anything standing in the way aside from just doing it? No, I mean, there's uh, something like Hammerstein. I could book another event right now if I wanted to, you know. But of course, everything's timing, and um, you know, uh, say we were to do it in every Jan- uh, say we were to do it every January. All right, well, January is like six months away, which in wrestling terms and in GCW terms, that's like 10 years away. <laughs> so, you know, um, but of course, it's something that I think about. And of course, I think it's something that we're going to try to do again. You know, I can't wait. I mm-hmm. just think I feel like it's time. I mean, everybody talks about it. here's the thing. As we're getting ready to take this home. Um, every wrestler that I talk to at a major company, they want to see you guys in show mm-hmm. live. Yeah. It's, it's the one thing that has now become like the talk of oh. wrestling. And, you know, we've talked about it before. And when we brought Woods to meet mm-hmm. Cole Scorpio, he had never met him. And he just wanted to go. He needed to see it. And then he marked out the entire time backstage. Like, yeah. this has become <laughs> a common theme. And now it's like GCW is not. I don't, can you even call yourselves an indie anymore? Well, we're definitely indie in that um, we report to nobody. Okay. You know, I don't report to anybody. I don't have any sort of. I don't have a network that tells me what to do. I don't have any corporate sponsors that tell me what to do. I mean, whereas uh, I don't have, um, I mean, everything is in-house, you know? So in that respect, of course we're independent. I mean, in terms of like what independent wrestling companies do, I mean, we definitely do things that probably none of them, none of the others do. Right. So I don't think that means that we're not independent. Um, so, um, but yes, I do see a lot of people come to our shows. People that, uh, if fans knew who was standing backstage watching, they would, you know, probably I've have their mind crazy. blown. <laughs> I mean, I hear, like, yeah. I get texts from people, and I'm like, yo, you're backstage? Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Just spring, even spring break in Dallas a couple months ago, there was, like, you know, enough television talent to run our own episode of Raw. <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, we've had, we've had current, we've had people who were actively WWE world champions watching our shows backstage. That's crazy. Yeah. It's 
pretty sick. Now, you, again, one thing that you guys do a lot of, you're so creative, you're always pushing the envelope, always trying to do something new. Mm-hmm. You operate week to week, month to month. Mm-hmm. But if you have to do like long-term goals and long-term booking for yourself as a company, <laughs> a uh, yeah, like, what's your goals for the next one, two, three years of GCW? Remaining independent seems mm-hmm. like something it you is. want to do. But what's the next step then? Where's the growth? Yeah. People ask me this all the time. Um, you know, for me, I do want to keep us independent and I want to continue to grow our brand. And to me, you know, that just means um, continuing to find new markets and making new fans, uh, which is something that we've done a lot of, um, especially recently in this last six months to a year. So many new fans. First time, so many times on social media or people will come up to me and say, my first GCW show or my first independent wrestling show, this is awesome, I'll be back. We see that all the time now. And not just one fan. There's like dozens at every show that come up to me and they come up to the rest of the roster too. Um, that, um, I love that the most. you know. Or people that will say, this is the first show I've been to in 15 years or 10 years. We get so many of those, you know, no exaggeration. Again, dozens of these, you know, weekly people, you know, whether it's in person or sending us messages or emails, you know, thank you. You, you made me a fan again. You know, I love that. I love being able to say we did that, you know, and the we're this person's connection back to wrestling. Um, and I love being able to uh, help grow independent wrestling. You know, if we can be the bridge uh, for a casual fan to learn what independent wrestling is and that, they can watch us and then become a fan of the next independent wrestling company, whatever their local company is, whatever. And we can grow independent wrestling together. I love that. I want to be, I want GCW to be that company, you know, that, that grows independent wrestling. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in TV deals, you know. Are I mean, you sure? Because a lot of people compare <laughs> you guys to ECW and yeah. they have that same feel and that's why they gravitate and they love you it. Know. And then the TV deal comes, the money comes and they get scared. And they're, you know, like There's something's going to change. What The other thing with GCW is I want it to always be authentic and real and organic. And, you know, um, producing weekly episodic television makes it really hard to do that. Yeah. You know, you, you... You've been in those environments. I have yeah, been. But you got to answer to somebody. <laughs> right. But and I've seen how it can, you know, it, it changes what you do. And, and by it has to. Yes. You literally have to. Um I mean, you know, if this Warner Discovery wants to come and throw like um, nine figures at us, maybe I would reconsider. <laughs> you know, yeah, but course. but I'm not pursuing anything. Yeah, you know, like I'm not pursuing anything. My my goal is to continue doing what we're doing and just to expand our fan base. You know, I know that you know sometimes people expect that I'm going to have some other answer or that maybe they think I should have a different answer. But that's the honest truth. I just want to keep making new fans and take us to new places and do things that people haven't done or think couldn't be done. You know, I like making history. I think uh, <laughs> you post the picture of you and Stephanie McMahon mm-hmm. comes out. And then you have some people's like, oh, that's really cool. And some people's like, oh, WWE's in their pockets. And what is the origin of that picture? Like, is there any story behind no, that picture? Or is it not. just a damn picture? Uh, no. One of our um, friend of GCW had a, had a, um, had a box at the stadium. And with that, box there was access to this whatever club up in the suite level and we walked in and stephanie was there taking pictures with everybody so i mean i Thank posted you. that as a joke 
People I thought everybody minds. right. I thought people would get it. I mean, I said my good close personal friend. No, oh they yeah, took that shit yeah. Let me seriously. see. Where's <laughs> I got Stephanie's number here, and she invited me. But yeah, people's imaginations are crazy. Like, like I, you couldn't think. have expected that. Like, I mean, you put it. I up mean, I kind of did hoping that would happen, but to the levels to what I've seen, I, I mean, people's imaginations have run wild on. It. And I let them go. Fuck it. GCW on the WWE network. Right. Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, they're buying GCW like, the Peacock. I've seen right. so many things. Like, where's the picture of Vince? I'm like, really, guys? Like, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. Well, that's, pro wrestling fans are the most fascinating curmudgeons <laughs> I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. They can't just enjoy shit. Like, fortunately. We've had enough of them enjoy what you guys have been doing. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I get to see people that I've known for a while, like Sean Waltman, get to work a show. Oh, man. Like, Sean's great. I you love that Sean wrestled against Joey with a torn bicep. He told me. After the fact. Yeah, man, he, told me. he tore his bicep a week before the first match, a week before the tag match that he did in L.A. It was Joey and Sean Waltman versus Cardona and Brian Myers. And he tore his bicep training, you know, at the gym. And tried not to tell anybody. You know, he kept it on the low. And he wrestled that match with a torn bicep. And then he wrestled Joey with a torn bicep. With his doctors telling him, you really should just come and get the surgery. And Sean said, I can't do that to you guys. I, I'm going to be there. Incredible, right? Why does he have to do that? He doesn't have to do that. It kind of speaks to what you guys have built also. Yeah. Man's yeah. a Hall of Famer. But he wanted to be part of it. That's, that's yeah. the whole point. Like, I, yeah. the conversations that I had with Sean, just in general, he sent me, like, a text with a picture of him training. Like, this is, like, a year or so ago. And I was like, are you? Like, maybe. Thinking about it. I was like, where would you go? He ain't say nothing. Then I saw, and I was like, where is Sean? He was like, I had to do it. <laughs> yeah. And he comes, he was just at our show last weekend. He comes just to support. He comes in the locker room and talks to everybody. Um, I mean, he's, he's, he's a good guy. And he loves wrestling. Yeah. Loves wrestling. I mean, I've gone out to, um, I've gone out to eat with him. We go to the Rainbow Room. The bow, as he calls it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, like, this dude is... Stories are great. Obviously, he's seen it all, but um, he's just a good guy. I mean, he's cool to hang out with. He's he's great to have in the locker room. I mean, I'm we're lucky to to have that connection with him. You know, that's one that's one thing I'm really proud of. Yeah, you did that. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Can't wait to see what comes next for GCW. I mean, we'll be at the show this weekend. And hey, if any of you guys are in town in Vegas for this big wrestling weekend, make sure you guys get out to GCW. I know everyone who like listens to our podcast probably already know. Because every time, like, we go to a show, like, we just mark out over that. So, we appreciate it, Brett, taking this time out. Busy weekend. GCW's traveling everywhere. They come to your city, make time to go and watch the show. You guys go to, you know, WrestleMania weekends, other AEW weekends, anything like that. It's the match of the weekend every time. Is that a every GCW time. show? Every, every single time. And don't fucking sleep and wait and buy tickets. And I got people like texting me. And shit. <laughs> you got a line to get tickets? Like, why aren't you buying when they went on sale? <laughs> you just can't be walking up to stuff like this anymore. It doesn't happen like Not that. Not anymore. Nah, man. Nah, like we're, it's past that level. So we appreciate it. We appreciate everyone for listening. And so many great wrestling voices have joined us. So many more to come. Make sure you guys check us out. All social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter. At Corner Club for Life on Instagram. We keep this short. You guys stay safe. Enjoy all the pro wrestling this weekend. Until our next episode, we're out. Peace. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Championship each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.